Hello and welcome to Nashville CA, your twice monthly two movie podcast featuring two guys, one of whom lives in CA, one of whom lives in Nashville. I am the Nashville portion. Uh, with me, as always, is Sean in CA somewhere. Hey, Sean, how you doing today? I'm good, and you are Josh. Yes, I am Josh. Did I not say my? And uh, no, I don't think you did. Okay. And we are here, and we're gonna be happy today. And we're not going to be winter depression, <laughs> depression, and we're not going to watch existential crisis movies. We're just going to have some fun with this one. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Oh, and I needed this after, first of all, the last uh, last episode, last few, that was heavy. Uh, but I went and watched All Quiet on the Western Front last night, and that movie is, that is rough viewing. It was yeah. good, excellent movie, but it is a rough go. I saw the when was the original made? Eighties? No, there's a seventy nine version, and the original is like nineteen thirty nine or something, thirty seven maybe. Gotcha. Okay, so I must have seen the seventy nine version in middle school. Mm-hmm. I think whenever whenever we did our World War One unit, maybe freshman high school. I don't recall, but um, I don't remember it. I don't know. I, I war movies didn't phase me as much in this, as a teenager. They didn't just the devastation of it all didn't really sink in with me. Mm-hmm. And now I really can't stomach them. Like I think it all changed with the uh, the thin red line for me in like my mid twenties, and that was the point where I, after watching that movie, it was just hard to watch any other. Uh- I I've had Come and See downloaded for ages, but I'm like, when am I going to be in the mood for that? I know it's like an excellent movie uh-huh. and uh, a very like important integral piece of cinema history. But when am I going to be in the mood for that? That's um, I kept thinking of that movie last night watching this one because I've heard that Come and See is even rougher. And I just can't imagine myself sitting down and watching it. Just that that still frame that gets posted all the time is too much for me. Yeah, I there was a really cool YouTube channel that started um I think in 2014 cuz World War 1 started in 1914, 15 something like that. Okay. Anyway, so the YouTube channel would follow the World War 1 history week to week as it was progressing as if in real time. And I I lost track of it, but I was following it um extensively for a while. And when they would talk about some of the strategies and the numbers of people, then it was just send a flood of men into machine gun fire. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it, it's a terrible thing. And the numbers don't even make sense. Like it, when you see some of like the Soviet Union's amount of people who died in that thing, it can even compared to other countries. It, it World War One is an incredibly, it's like the worst thing ever. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I don't know about the 79 version. Eli was telling me that they each kind of focus on different parts. Um, but this one was mostly about the trench warfare, like the front line that never moved. Like over the four or five years, whatever it was, uh, that line didn't move more than a couple hundred meters. Yeah. And just even if there's no gunfire and artillery and everything, just living in the trenches alone is traumatizing. Mm-hmm. 
Why are we talking about trauma? <laughs> Damn it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I just feel pulled to the darkness. What can I say? <laughs> um, so today we're going to be talking about Fright Night, the original from 1985. Uh, Josh chose that. And so I decided to pair that with Deadstream from 2022. Which did you watch first? And which do you think we should start with? Um, on this, I'd seen both of these before, but on this go around, I watched Deadstream first and followed up with Fright Night this morning. Okay. I had seen both of these. Um, I didn't really remember much about this Fright Night. I have also seen the remake of Fright Night Mm -hmm. and that cast is crazy stacked. It's like Anton Yelchin, Colin Farrell, that the one Doctor Who. Oh Yeah. um, um and uh who's um who's hereditary and Tony Collette. Sixth Sense. Yeah. No, it's just a crazy stacked cast for a horror remake. Oh, Imogen Poots, Christopher Christopher Mintz Plass is also in it. It's good. I'd check it out. Oh. So um I would say we go chronological with this one. Okay. Works for me. So uh why don't you introduce Fright Night? Uh, Fright Night is a 1985 uh, supernatural horror film directed by Tom Holland. Um, you know anything about Tom Holland? I'm looking at his filmography right now, and I've seen Child's Play. I've seen Thinner. Thinner, like, I saw Thinner as a kid, mm-hmm. and it really, I think it, like, did some kind of damage like just like it was like i didn't know what a blowjob was before that and that movie was just so dark and i shouldn't have been watching it and mm-hmm. i didn't have the context to understand things and then like and then it's just like a horribly racist movie and it's, it's just it's a really really bad time and it's like there's not that many movies where i like regret watching them but if that came out in 96 so let's say i watched that probably in 97 yeah i was probably 10 maybe 11 years old mm-hmm. watching that with my friend it just one of those times where it's like i regret watching that movie I, um i i have no memory of thinner i remember reading the book on a trip to florida uh, but i don't remember watching the movie i know i've seen it oh i watched it i was in college because i watched it the following year I'm going to spoil like the bummer part of thinner right okay. now. if you if you're a real thinner head st- skip ahead 30 seconds but uh towards the end J- Joseph Magnola M- Magnola no who's the guy from like NYPD blue and stuff Joseph something um uh he he basically Ma- Joe goes Montaigne. to Joe yes he goes to a Romani camp and just starts like blasting people with an AK47 and it's just a bummer of a time that's i don't like that i don't like that at all i don't remember there being any blowjobs in the movie though yeah that's how he's getting a blowjob as he's driving the car and that's what causes him to be distracted and hit the woman oh and so then the end of the movie is him passing the curse on to his wife because he he decides it's all her fault she shouldn't have been giving me a blowjob It's a bad movie, I'm telling you. Ten-year-olds shouldn't be watching that. I feel like nobody should be watching that. I don't like that at all. I agree. 
<laughs> but what else do you know about Tom Holland? I really, I haven't seen Psycho 2. I've heard Psycho 2 is good. Psycho 2 is good. I haven't seen much of his stuff. Um, and he did the first Child's Play also with Chris Sarandon, um, who plays uh, Jerry Dandridge in, in this movie. Uh, so Do you like Child's Play 1? It's all right. I agree. Yeah. It <laughs> Chucky feels so non-threatening mm-hmm. that it it all feels a bit farcical. And I like I like the sequels more where they lean into like we're just doing a campy goofy movie um and it's final destination syndrome. The first one takes itself too seriously, but okay. then they get progressively like more into what the fans like and what the tone is, which is camp goofiness. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree. There's one I don't remember. It's hard for me to distinguish all the Chucky movies, but it's either Bride or Seed. One of those I really liked. I don't remember which. Seed might have been the worst one, actually. I might have liked... I, I don't remember. They're all a giant <laughs> blob of a movie in my head. Um, This is... It's kind of... I mean, tangent, tangent, tangent. Uh, I watched True Lies the other night. Uh, Great movie. So long. It's very long. Um, It's so good, though. Oh, my God. Paxton. But there is so much. uh, I was very sensitive to the fact that all these people's deaths were being used for comedic effect in the movie. And I found it a little upsetting. Oh, yeah. Like... (laughs) The the gun tumbling down the stairs, yeah, <laughs> killing like eight men, and yes. it's just, yeah, yeah. I get that because that that movie's not. It's presented in a real world context. I I, I know what you're saying. Like the 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 crass disvaluing of human life mm-hmm. in that. It's like it's like on a commando level almost. Yes. yes. Do you ever want to make? I always thought of writing a short story if I was ever a writer, uh, trying to figure out how to write a little short film or something about one of those hired henchmen who live out at like a commando fortress, mm-hmm. but they've been forced into that life and they have a wife on kid who they're supporting, but they have plans to get out and they're just about to get out. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger shows up and like throws a lawnmower blade through their head. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like we... a really fleshed out character with like real true ethos and pathos and then they just get dismembered by some asshole running through on his heroic ego trip have we have we talked about this before because i probably don't... i repeat myself a lot um there's a a deleted scene from the first um uh, austin powers movie after he runs the guy over with a steamroller the the henchman um, that it cuts to that guy's wife and kid waiting for him to come home. <laughs> oh my god! How did they cut that? I don't know. It's a great. How it's did a great they cut? Gag. That's an amazing joke. <laughs> that steamroller killer is so good. Oh, I think you've mentioned that before. You know, this is we're getting close to fifty episodes with about a three-hour average. Mm-hmm. So that's we're at like we're getting close to an entire week's worth of conversation, like seven continuous days. So it's, it's really hard for me to remember things at this point. Uh, not only that today is Pi day, Sean. Oh yeah, I do. I, I, I'm glad you remembered happy two year birthday to the show. Yes. Uh, 
and I'm I'm bummed that I don't get to watch Pi in the theater. I'm really confused about the IMAX it's, portion of the Pi release. It's like I really want to see that high fidelity 16 millimeter grainy black and white footage. Yeah, right. Blown up as large as you can, really, please. <laughs> it would be cool to hear the soundtrack in a big theater, though. That is, uh, it's Clint Mansell, right? Yeah. Okay. That's playing in San Francisco, so that's why I'm not going, because I still have anxiety about going into San Francisco, and it stresses me out, so I just don't do it. That's fair. I think, I think that's totally valid. Okay, come on. <laughs> oh wait yeah fright night fright night totally um so there's a remake there's a sequel i watched uh in between finishing the first one and now i watched about 45 minutes of the sequel it's also pretty fun it it follows like directly on this movie so uh i recommend people finding it on the back of a truck somewhere because i don't think there's a proper release of it since like vhs days maybe um, right on. When did you first see this? Oh, this would have been one of those like late eighties, early nineties ones, probably when I was around like ten or twelve. For the see, first this time. is a much better movie for a kid to be watching at ten or twelve than thinner. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> this would have been such a fun sleepover movie. I still think I would have been I would have been really nervous about watching it. But I think I would have had a good time with it because it's not, none of it's really that scary. No. And, uh, I mean, as an adult, whatever, I'm beyond these things. But as, as a kid, as like a 12-year-old boy, uh, there's boobs in this movie, which would have been great at the sleepover. Because they're not like long enough on screen to be a totally awkward and worrying about parents coming in. But they're there and everyone would have been like nudging each other. Yeah. Oh, and there's there's a very horny scene. Oh, yes. Later on, <laughs> with between the vampire and that woman, and it's just like it 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 lingers for a while, and it goes on, and it's erotic, and it felt like it reminded me of watching um, Cinemax at like <laughs> 10 p.m. after people had gone to bed and seen Zalman King's Red Shoes Diaries or. Emmanuel or right. whatever those softcore movies were on at the time, it had those kind of vibes. So, like, I imagine like a room of boys, like that room would have just got like quiet during that scene. <laughs> it's like uh, I remember watching Porky's one time at a at a friend's house at a sleepover, and it was with like four or five guys. It was it was one thing, and everyone gets a little giggly with just two guys in the room, and a horny scene comes on. It's weird. <laughs> the energy is totally different. Yeah. I've never seen Porky's and I, I don't really yeah. need to. No, it's uh it's totally fine that you have and I wouldn't uh I'm not holding that one against you. So uh so do you think this movie this I was thinking about um as a kid I would have related <clears throat> excuse me, I would have related this to um that Simpsons episode where it's kind of like our take on Rear Window. Bart breaks his leg, mm -hmm. and then he, he looks through the telescope, and he sees Flanders, like, burying something in the backyard. And then also Rear Window. It feels like 
all of those kinds of stories are kind of globbed together here in this storytelling. Uh, also, Disturbia, starring Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yep. I for- and that was not a remake of Rear Window. I don't know how it's not a remake of Rear Window, because it is pretty much a remake of Rear Window. But they tried to say it wasn't, right? And then um, the next movie, I think it was the same team, did the next movie he was in, uh, which is a remake of Enemy of the State, I think. What? Yeah, I love Enemy of the State. Oh, Enemy of the State's great. Ooh, man, that's a good movie. And wow, how how predictive that movie was in many ways of like the surveillance state of electronics and data and all that sort of stuff. Um, but no, Hackman's so good in it too. But nobody's oh. paranoid about it. We just give up all our information <laughs> willingly. <laughs> I mean, what can you do, man? What can you do? You can either become a conspiracy theorist and just become the most like cynical, negative person and chase everyone away, or you can just roll with it and just like, what difference? If they have my information, they have like a billion other people, so it's like I'm a little drop in the pond. Whatever. Right. Although, um, I did. Uh, some friends of mine recently got married, and um. Uh, we were looking at their wedding photos, you know, they posted them and I was talking about uh, both, both gentlemen were wearing like matching belts and they're, they're very sharp looking belts. And I commented on them, um, not on the internet, just out loud to Elizabeth. And I'm getting ads for not just belts, but the specific belts they were wearing, which is, that's terrifying. The implications of that are very <laughs> spooky to me. Um, do you like kayaks? You should go kayaking. You should look into renting a kayak or buying a kayak. I'm thinking of getting a kayak. My you friend li- has a kayak. You like kayaks? I think kayaking is an interesting uh, sport. I had a friend who had two kayaks because she bought them at the same time. Uh, but I would only buy one kayak if I was going to buy a why, kayak. Why, why does one have... My other, my friend has two kayaks, and he's one man. Why does one have two? Um, I don't know. Do, do they come in pairs? Do you need to kayak with a buddy? They do if you buy a, a bayak. Makes sense. That totally that makes sense. There's... Uh, okay, now uh, tell me if you get kayak ads. I'm totally going to get kayak ads at this point. <laughs> uh, Fright Night. Oh, yeah, Fright Night. So Fright Night is the story of, uh, what's his name, uh, Charlie Brewster. Oh, yeah, Brewster, you're so cool, um, who believes his next-door neighbor is a vampire, played by Chris Sarandon. And the movie launches right into that. Like, the opening scene is a balance between him trying to get it on with his girlfriend, um, played by the woman, the next door neighbor from Married with Children, uh, and him looking at Chris Sarandon being toted into his house in a coffin. Like, it just sets up the, the dichotomy right there in the first scene. It's great. I like a movie that gets into it. Mm-hmm. It just kind of gets right to the point. Um, do you think Chris Sarandon's hot? Because I th- in this movie, he's presented as, like, an extremely hot sexual being. And I, 
he's kind of weird looking. Weird look? You think Chris Randon is weird looking? Okay. Something about his face. It's like a big stony face. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. I, I think um, it is, it's hard to picture his face moving sometimes. Like having different expressions. You know, he, he yeah. doesn't seem like a very versatile uh, person, although, um, let's see. I mean, I knew him as Prince Humperdinck before I watched this movie. Um, who's that? From The Princess Bride. Is he a Nick? No, he's not a Nico Montoya. That was. That's uh, Mandy Patinkin. Mandy Patinkin. Yeah. You know. Mandy Patankin without the beard is a different person. <laughs> you kind of have a Pentankin-esque beard. Okay. I will I will accept that gladly. Except yours is more he let his go out on the sides more. Mm-hmm. Uh he he's a good follow on social media though. I do like Mandy Patankin. He's very charming with his wife and everything. If Mandy Patankin were a horse. That's a Mr. Show, a very specific okay, Mr. That- <laughs> Show reference that maybe one listener will like, but you're welcome to that one listener. Um, I do not remember that bit. I tried to rewatch Mr. Show um, sometime during the pandemic because it was on Amazon Prime, and it was fine. It was still good, um, but it just didn't have the propulsion to like keep me watching it, I guess. Yeah, that first season, they didn't quite find the the stride of the show. In the first Mm -hmm. season, there's some good sketches, but I think the real classic episodes tend towards the later, like season three, season four. Um, I still think it's a brilliant concept for the way the show is put together. Yeah, uh, the the Mr. Show commentary tracks were basically my first podcast. Those commentary tracks are like why we're here right now. Because wow. those got me like interested in alternative comedy or the idea of listening to like Im- characters doing improv. And then I found out that Scott Ackerman was doing that, basically. And then that led to Comedy Bang Bang. And then the- all the pieces fell into place, basically, like through Mr. Show. So, um, I mean, we're already uh, far afield. But are you a Comedy Bang Bang World subscriber? Yes. What's your show on there? Because I picked up uh, a subscription, but then they moved the Andy Daly show like the next week. They moved it off the feed. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Bonanza. It has its ups and, down, ups and downs. Um, I really like on CBB Presents, Hey Randy is one of my favorites. And, and then now there's a good one with Bill Walton. That's pretty damn funny. And what else do I listen to on that? Um, you do Scott hasn't I, seen. Scott hasn't seen. I like that one. That's a really good movie podcast. Freedom might be on there. I don't oh know if yeah, it is or not? Yeah, but I, I I like Freedom. It's fun. So yeah, I guess I guess that's all the shows I listen to from CBB World at this point. I that's thought a, there was more, but I think that's a I've pretty heard, solid um, one. Now I've heard this book changed my life is good. I didn't know that one was on there. It's another CBB presents, mm-hmm. and I think it's somebody makes up a fictional book 
and why it changed their life, and then they kind of improv the the story of the book or whatever that, that kind of thing. That is a good idea. I like that. Um, so Chris Sarandon, you think he's weird looking? I think he's. I think he's smoldering. No, no, he's okay. just he's kind of Australopithecan. Wow, that is oddly specific. It's 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 the eyebrow ridge or something. I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. He's just a weird looking dude. What can I say? Um, and it is. There's no question in our minds that he is a vampire from like the jump in this movie. Yeah, no, it's and that's what the fun of it is. Is not we as the audience don't have to go through that phase of questioning whether or not we believe this to be real we know right from the get-go with this kid that this thing is real and it's happening Mm -hmm. and so that way we just we kind of skip that boring first act that this movie could have had attached to it and instead we just jump straight into it and the frustration of being an audience member knowing it's real but this kid can't get anyone to believe him um, although he does in the very beginning, like I said, he's making out with, um, what's her name? Is her name Amy? Uh, yes. Yeah. Her, her name, name is Amy. Amy. That's weird. Cause her name is Amanda. Uh, and he chooses, uh, yeah, he decides what could I do? Should I have sex or should I watch dudes carry a coffin in the yard? <laughs> <laughs> and he, he he chooses the wrong decision here. I I don't believe that Charlie uh, is a seventeen or eighteen year old boy, um, or I guess he, maybe he'd be a little bit younger than that. Supposed to be. I don't know, but it seemed like they were gonna have sex, and it she also said she seemed wants him to like make love. Yeah, and it also seemed like mom was downstairs, well in earshot of everything that would have happened. <laughs> I mean, uh, what is the saying? Needs must when the devil drives. You just, you get in where you fit in, you know? Wow. That's a, I've never heard that idiom. Yeah, I like it. I heard it in a, was I watching some kind of British show the other day and they said that. I was like, that's a great saying. I always remember things that I want to say, pick up a saying like, oh, I'm going to use that. And then I feel like they just don't stick. Mm Mm-hmm. They they don't become part of your lexicon? No. I'd say the only one recently has been... There's a Miami Herald columnist named Greg Cody, and he's a very funny 60-something-year-old man who does the a podcast I listen to, and he says that kind of thing. But you say that kind of thing, but then you just shorten it until it's like that kind of thing. And just... <laughs> and just, just, just compound it into nothingness. And I, that's what I do. Uh, when do you use that kind of thing? What's what's a good example of that kind of thing? Uh, you know, when I just wanna, when I wanna give an example of something, or if I wanna then present multiple options, and I'm listing multiple options, and then once I get to the end of the list, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, that makes sense. I like it. Uh, I picked up. This was years ago. Like. Years and years ago, um, listing things as 
uh, A, the first thing, and two, the second thing, or one and B, um, from the show Mad About You, from Paul Reiser character, which... <laughs> I just Sean, remember I just remember hysterically laughing in your face when you told me that last time. <laughs> what did you tell me about Mad About You that made me laugh so hard? It's just uh, it was because of the Costanza, the Seinfeld thing. Anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, what what do you think of the music in this movie? I thought it was it was pretty excellent, actually. There's some cool synthy stuff. At one point during that um that sec or there's like that scene where the kid's looking at his neighbor and uh the woman who's there he's like they're kissing and she shows her boobs in the window and there's like some sultry saxophone with a synthesizer background and some bass guitar and i i, I thought it was a cool soundtrack yeah um and i had looked up to see like what else if i knew um herb 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 jaffe you're you're the uh, guy with the greenhouse. Is it Herb or Herb? Well, when it's a man, I really don't know. I feel like it could go either way. Okay. So, Herb Jaffe. But, I mean, but it's Herbert. We're not... Are we making any Herberts anymore? There's not a lot of Herberts, I don't think. It's kind of a cute baby name. Uh, But... Oh, and that's my bad, because I had the wrong tab open. It was Brad Fidel. Who did the the music? Um, I wonder if he owns Fidel's, my family's favorite restaurant in San Diego. We've gone there for like thirty five years. Excellent Mexican food, Fidel's, Solana Beach, California. Check it out. I'll have to next time I'm out there. Does it say on there if he owns Fidel's in <laughs> Solana Beach? Um. Uh, it might be in the family section. I'm down uh, at the fact that Brad Fidel did the music for Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And the original Terminator, the year before Fright Night. He did Terminator, Fraternity Vacation, Fright Night, Compromising Positions, and the Midnight Hour all in the same two years. That's crazy. That is a, that is a fantastic uh, run right there. He also did I used True to Lies. Listen to that. I used to listen to that Terminator 2 song just just hanging out. <laughs> just throw on the Terminator 2 soundtrack. Have you ever looked at what timing that song is in? It's in some random ass like 512 timing or something. <laughs> it's like super bizarre. Uh, no, I just, I remember I had it on a, a running playlist along with like the Gladiator, uh, parts from the Gladiator score. Oh man, there's this one part in the Gladiator score and it makes me really annoyed that Hans Zimmer didn't key in on it. Be like, that's the whole song. Mm -hmm. It's the part during the Roman army battle and it's it's that little part but then he immediately loses it to like and it's like no keep I want to hear that more ah no even then he had his Hans Zimmerisms which would come to the fore and just blast everything else out 
I was so into Gladiator. I remember going on like Apple.com and downloading the trailer. And it took like five and a half hours to download the trailer. And then you just sit there and like watch it and just be like, fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> I, want, I need to see it. I saw it twice in theater. I remember uh, trying very hard not to cry at the end both times. Oh, yeah. That uh, the, the Terrence Malick shot at the end of him running his hand over the wheat and everything. Yeah, yeah. I like to do that when I go hiking. I'm convinced one of these days I'm going to run my hand through a field of poison oak, though, and not realize it. <laughs> Except I'm immune to poison oak. Did you know that? Um, I don't know if I knew that. What about poison I'm, ivy? I'm immune to that, too. I've never had either of them. So, therefore, I am immune. Oh, okay. That's uh, I'm immune to elephant attacks. I just watched Elephant Man on Sunday. <laughs> What'd you think? It's good. It's probably yeah. my favorite Lynch movie because it's the least Lynchy movie I've seen of his. It's my... Ugh. For a long time, it was my second favorite. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I really liked Elephant Man, and it's fun because it's Carl Pilkington's favorite movie. And so now I understand a lot of references, and I also understand why... He and another guy both thought that when the elephant man's mom was pregnant, she was trampled on by a, 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 herd, a herd of elephants, and that's what caused his deformities. And I know that that's then like the carnival barker says like that's the story. So, I, but now I understand why they would think that it's clearly wrong. But I understand the context of it. There's a cat behind you. Um, hey, Hopkins, if I get a nicer record player... <laughs> no, that's the cat that sneezes, it's like, it breathes water. Yes. <laughs> that, that just, that cat sits next to you. You're just like, why am I feeling droplets hitting my skin? And it's just the cat exuding liquid. He's He's the most humid cat I've ever had. <laughs> Anytime I see that cat, I just remember it, like, <laughs> spitting on me. And he loves to get right in your face, too. Like, he'll yeah. sit right next to you or right on your lap, and then he'll shake. And uh, pretty much Jackson Pollock the whole area with his saliva. Oh, good. Good imagery. <laughs> Did you know that Brad Ira Fidel uh, just had his birthday? Last week, and spent time as a keyboardist for Hall and Oates. I did not know that. Yeah, I don't know hardly anything about Hall and Oates. I could not name a song of theirs off the top of my head. I'm sure I've heard their songs. Uh, you don't know Rich Girl or Man Eater? Watch out, here she comes. There you go. To you. Okay, I gotcha. Um. Mom, I don't need cocoa. I didn't have a nightmare. <laughs> Do you give people cocoa for nightmares? Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, you give them... When someone wakes up from a nightmare, you give them a nice sugar drink to put them back to bed. That was very confusing to me. But she does ask him uh, if he wants a Valium as well. <laughs> and that, I love that 80s way. Mm -hmm. is, uh, it's just like, oh yeah, just throw a pill at it. 
Um, it's like, oh, it's just starting that like whole pill epidemic that we go through as a country that I grew up in with like, my mom would just deem I needed Claritin every day. It's like, I, I, I'm pretty sure I don't have allergies. She's like, here, take a Claritin. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I don't need this. Uh, I remember in, have you ever seen Dream a Little Dream? No. Um, that, was, that was a staple of mine growing up. Uh, big fan of the two Corys. Uh, and the climactic scene in that is um, uh, the one girl's mother giving her some sleeping pills, uh, like on the sly, basically roofing her own daughter and knocking her out, <laughs> like to keep her from going out with a boy. It's, Ooh. yeah, it's in retrospect, it's fairly dark. That's cool. Yeah. One time my sisters were supposed to give me like two teaspoons of cough syrup while my parents went out to dinner or something, but they mm-hmm. gave me two tablespoons. Mm-hmm. And I, I just remember we were watching The Simpsons and I was trying so hard to stay awake, but it was like this oppressive wave of sleep was creeping over me, and no matter what I tried to do to keep my eyelids open, it was not going to happen. And so I, I was essentially roofied. That's uh, that's kind of the feeling that I had last night when I was having my nightmares. That, like, I can't stop sleeping, but I also, like, I need to get get up. Yeah, it's no fun. So, move the plot here a little... Uh, Charlie calls the cops and says they have a coffin in the basement. You'll find them sleeping the sleep of the undead. That line really cracked me up. The cop is clearly just like, kid, what are you talking about? Go home. Um, so he gets his, his evil Ed, his buddy, to come over to help him prepare for a vampire coming to his house. Because now Charlie thinks the vampire is going to break in tonight. But the vampire doesn't need to break in because mom has already invited him over in the meantime. Um, did you catch that uh, Charlie is literally whistling as he comes down the stairs before he sees Jerry? Like, like nonchalantly whistling happily and just stops dead uh, as it cuts to Jerry. I, I was like, that's a pretty good gag. Do people ever whistle in a time of stress? Ooh, is, is there ever any super anxious whistling? Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't feel like it. Um, the guy who played the, the cop who shows yeah. up, um, I think he strictly plays cops. Like, I recognize that guy, and I'm like, he's, he, I think he might be a real-life cop who they just have on film sets. Uh, he was in... Die Hard 2, Christine, Death Wish. I, I knew I recognized him, but I don't, I couldn't really place him. And I, I watched Die Hard 2 so infrequently. I don't really like that movie. No? Die Hard 2? No, I'd much rather watch 1 and 3. Are, Die Hard 1 and 3 are basically the only ones that I really dig. Um, I three-starred. Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2, that's the one where um, uh, the, the guy does naked yoga. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. The, <laughs> the villain. 
Is that the villain's introductory shot? Is yes, it is. Yoga? <laughs> yep. Uh, oh, the 80s, man. It was a different time. I loved it. That was ridiculous. Uh, so Charlie hears a noise downstairs. Um, the vampire's in mom's room. The vampire nonchalantly closes the door so hard that the frame cracks. And um, so they they get into a... What happens now? They get into a fight, and Charlie's going... Oh, yeah, he's going to get impaled on the picket fence out his window. Mm-hmm. And he stabs the vampire in the hand with a pencil. And this is our first of the cool, like, transition effects in this movie, where... After the pencil goes through his hand, we see that it's kind of a vampire claw, and he's and he's gone from human Chris Sarandon to complete a hundred percent vampire, and then we kind of get the de transformation of him back to human, and we see this again later in the movie to extraordinary effect. And I thought it was really clever that like in the face of American Werewolf in London mm-hmm. movies, where we see the transition from human to monster. This movie twice shows us from monster back to human. And I thought that was a really cool way to do it. Um, But they don't have any, uh, there's not a lot of like actual in camera stuff. It's all in cuts for the most part. It's in the edit. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, technically it's not on that werewolf level, but I, I still really appreciated it, and I liked the effects that they did do that were all in camera, and it worked on me. And they also do a lot of, um, it's like that Spielberg Nazi face melting thing mm-hmm. where you you make a prop out of wax and then melt it and then do that in reverse. Or yeah, there's some there's some really fun effects in this one. This is comes a little bit later, but mentioning werewolves, uh, are vampires werewolves? <laughs> I was confused when, e- and it's only Evil Ed that shows werewolfism, right? Yeah. I was very confused when Evil Ed was a werewolf. Oh, and also, don't worry. For some reason, when I'm aware that it's a werewolf, they violence against canines <laughs> does, doesn't really bother me. So it's just like, oh, that's, a, that's just a werewolf that's been impaled down there, crawling around. The effect, though, of that, like wolf mm-hmm. crawling with the stake in it was kind of unsettling yeah because it it splits the line but like it's a human movement done when it's still in full wolf form uh which oh is good point yeah looking. that's what looked weird about it. it was just like the way yeah did you think oh two questions about this first of all when they're at the club they're at the um before uh the confrontation happens when he's first seducing amy it's not a bar specifically. It's not like a hangout bar, but could you rate this club? I don't want to go there. Okay. I don't you like, just, you don't, it's too. There's been few times in my life where I've been in that kind of environment where you have to shout over the music and mm-hmm. it's just dark with color lights and stuff. That's just not my jam. I, I don't like yelling. I, it, it's just bad time. And now I'd, I'd be wearing earplugs in there, and it just wouldn't be fun for me now. So that's I'm not uh, a club kid; never have been. And I feel like there was also just not really. I'm sure there's clubs in San Francisco, but when I lived in San Francisco in my 20s, there wasn't 
really that scene, or at least my friends weren't really into that scene. So my friends would just be more into going to to bars and stuff and going yeah. out that way or going to concerts. And so that was that's more what I did. You didn't go to like a neon lit 80s dance club, um, multi-levels and uh, bodies thrashing all over the place kind of a club? No, I went one year when I was like 23 years old. I went with my friends to downtown San Diego to this hotel having a multi-level New Year's Eve party. And it was miserable. <laughs> like it was fun dancing and stuff, but then we were trying to get a cab, and it was like a forty-minute ride from downtown to back up to where we live. Trying to get a cab on New Year's Eve and uh-huh. trying to wrangle drunk people. And it's just one of those nights where it's like, if I had driven myself down here, I would have left at ten forty-five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's I had. My ex-girlfriend, her sister and boyfriend at the time, went downtown Nashville, which Nashville has a huge, um, we do New Year's Eve and uh, 4th of July, like some of the biggest outdoor parties uh, in America. And they got way too high and could not find like where the cab line was. So we had to brave New Year's Eve traffic to go pick them up. because they were just lost in a park uh, near downtown. And it was not a good time for anybody involved. <laughs> but you did it. Oh, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? you just going to leave your friends stranded out there? No. you got to come through and, and clutch for them. I, I miss Depends which clerks. friend it is. <laughs> That's fair. I have friends that... I have helped them out. They've helped me out. It's a two-way street. I know I can call them. They can call me. There's other mm-hmm. friends where it's like, mm, I feel like I've done a lot more favors for you than you have for me, and I'm going to sit <laughs> this one out, bud. Just don't even pick up during a time of stress. Right. Um, Evil Ed's not know- that kind of guy. Though. Evil Ed's a stand-up guy. Evil Ed, though, um, he's an off-putting gentleman. Yes, <laughs> Evil Ed is not the most likable of friends. And if I were Charlie's mom, I'd be like, God, couldn't you pick a different friend to, to hang out with? And it's seemingly they're each other's only friend. Like, yeah. uh, uh, do you want to introduce um, Peter Vincent? So there's this character who... So Peter Vincent is like a... Joe Bob Briggs, he's a horror movie host, right? Yes. And so Charlie thinks, how dumb is Charlie to think? (laughs) (laughs) Does Charlie not understand fiction? I think the lines are real blurry for Charlie. He sees Peter Vincent one time uh, try to stake a vampire. Uh, if If you see the clip, did you notice that he holds the stake backwards? He goes blent in first? Yes. Okay, how dumb is Peter Vincent? It doesn't take a genius to know which way a, a vampire state goes. No, no. The uh, So Peter Vincent is a horror host who was also previously a horror movie actor or an actor who got typecast into horror movies. You kind of get the idea that he has greater aspirations um, because later in the movie he's 
he lies and says that Hollywood is calling and he's uh, receiving a, a role in a major motion picture. And then Amy buys him off for 500 bucks, which what would this, this 1984, 1985 couple grand. That's crazy. That's, yeah. that's a lot of money to get your boyfriend who you're on the outs with favorite horror host to show up and pretend to be a vampire hunter for about 20 minutes. Well, that's kind of what cameo is these days to a lesser extent. Oh, wow. Peter Vincent is a fun character. I like him. It's just, it's a really fun idea. It's a great, it's just a great character to kind of propel things to throw in a little bit of spice and weirdness. And then, it's also just fun to see this man who thinks of himself as a fraud try to believe in his own character that he's created enough to like find that bravery and courage and it's it's just a fun idea kind of for whatever reason this reminds me of um is it dead alive is it the Peter Jackson movie with the priest that says I kick mm-hmm. ass for the lord and yes kind of re- gives me that vibes a little bit um, and we have to say that it's uh, Peter Vincent is played by Roddy McDowell, um, who played uh, apes. He played a couple different of the apes and the Planet of the Apes movies. And like, that's what he was for a long time. I've never he was seen. Also like, you've never seen a Planet of the Apes? I've seen. I saw the one with Woody Harrelson from however many years ago. Wait, what? War of the Planet of the Apes? Woody Harrelson is like a militia leader. Okay, I haven't seen the the later ones. There's yeah, I've never never seen the the original seventies stuff or whatever it came out. Sixties, sixties. The original ones. um, That was one of the first. dvd box sets that i bought i remember like i went to a comic book store that also sold um like nerdy dvds because we didn't have a suncoast close by and i pre-ordered the planet of the apes box set what's suncoast did you not have a suncoast in your in your local we live the suncoast we don't need the store wow Put me in my place. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a movie store where they, uh, we would go there in, in college and all my friends would buy anime VHSs. Um, as far as I know, my friends and I typically would just go to my Circuit City. That's where we would buy DVDs. If you wanted to get rare stuff, I don't know where I would have gone. Um, Funko Land or whatever, GameStop, back when it was kind of more indie and sold NES games and stuff like that. Maybe that that kind of thing would have some kind of rare VHS. I don't know. Anime did not was non-existent in my life outside of knowing there was three things. I saw girls mm-hmm. with Sailor Moon stuff on sometimes mm-hmm. at school. 
I went through one summer where I watched Dragon Ball Z, and then it tore my heart out because I watched it every single day, all summer, and then all of a sudden, they just ran out of episodes and reverted back to, like, months before. And so I didn't even know that the the story was coming to an end or whatever, so I just got so, so left just like on a, a cliffhanger. It sucked. I hated it. And then the third one is um, I'd see the Ghost in the Shell cover okay. at Blockbuster. I'm just like, what is that? What's going on there? Back then, we called it Japanimation, too. Oh, yeah. That was, it was a whole different time. Um, I remember I bought... Uh, I had some friends that bought Sailor Moon stuff at the Sun Coast, and I bought... Uh, mall rats on VHS at the Sun Coast in the same trip when I was in college. I remember clerks and mall rats being around, but I never saw them. But I remember people saying da or calling people chief. I don't remember. There was very specific references to one of those. <laughs> um, it's been a long time since I've seen either one of them. <laughs> But I have no idea the catchphrases to which you're referring, but I really I don't even these. know. I don't <laughs> even know. This these are some random ass memories that are being pulled up right now. I don't really care for Kevin Smith very much. Um Clerks was big when I f when I first saw it in like ninety five, ninety six, uh I was really into it. Since then it's kind of waned for me waxed waned we already had this conversation didn't we did we maybe it was with somebody else i don't know yeah i i, I can pretty comfortably confidently say there's not a single movie of his that i like although i've never seen clerks or dogma or many of his but yeah <laughs> Um, when they are at the club, uh, after, so Peter Vincent goes with, uh, Charlie, Amy and evil Ed to, uh, Dangerous house and tries to perform a vampire test on him, uh, which he supposedly makes him drink holy water, but it's just tap water. Definitely. There, there's no way this guy bothered to go to a priest and get this yeah. water blessed. I mean, all, all holy water is just tap water with a, a benediction prayed over it or whatever. It doesn't come from like a, a holy spring or anything. No, just Mullen Springs. Is, is that a bottled water? I think so, but it's also a Seinfeld <laughs> reference. I'm pretty sure it exists, but it might be Poland spring. There is a Poland spring. Damn it, Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, in uh, seventh grade, I believe. Um, they asked us what was the city of brotherly love, and because of the Simpsons, I said Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and got was roundly mocked by the teacher <laughs> and the students. <laughs> <laughs> probably rightfully so <laughs> so uh yeah and then he also um 
he touches does he touch a cross at this point or it's later we find out that the cross thing only works if you're a true believer in christ but it's weird because um peter vincent wards off evil ed with the cross and burns a shape into his forehead with the cross but then dangerage says against me you have to have faith which that was interesting it was peter vincent that puts evil ed on the forehead wasn't it Mm-hmm. that's right oh yeah because he goes to peter vincent's head yeah that doesn't really track does it because no. the 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 final scene of the movie is basically um the vampire mocking him as he holds up the cross and then we see like in real time his belief concrete itself and find the foundation and i i guess I feel like it's more a belief in himself that he finds than like a Christian belief. But I guess if he's now acknowledging that like monsters are real, then he's buying into like the war of good versus evil and God versus Satan and stuff. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, It's not, it's not really there. It's kind of there. I do. I think that uh, Roddy McDowell acts that moment very well. Like, yeah, I don't know how you make your face change to look more confident and like a believer, but he does. So uh, I like the part. Why does he have a little compact mirror Is the, to reapply his foundation? <laughs> but anyway, it's, that's it, when he sees that he, the vampire can't see himself. Yes, the um, uh, I love his in both of these movies. We have an evil hunting kit. Uh, the other one we have ghost hunting. This one we have vampire hunting. Uh, and I love a, a nice. This is the kind of thing that um, I would have made out of a cigar box after watching this movie. I would have like stolen my grandma's rosary and put it in there, and a little tub of water and stuff like that. Yeah, or you could get a leather pouch, as we see in the next movie, mm-hmm. and have your leather roll out with all of your demon hunting kit. <laughs> That one cracks me up. We'll have to talk about it when we get there. Um, the When uh, Jerry is seducing um, Charlie's girlfriend in the club, first of all, the club scene and the seduction scene go on way too long. Like, that's my gripe with the movie. Yeah, no, I was... Oof. Yeah. The seduction scene I got, because I'm, I'm just like, all right, well, this is just like, they want like that eighties eroticness mm-hmm. in it, but the club scene it it just it drags. Yeah, uh, but Amy's hair gets bigger and bigger as she gets horny. That's what oh, I noticed. He's spinning her around, and her hair is like fluffing out larger and larger as she falls under his spell. Yeah, this is like a vampire's spell, right? This is pure brainwashing. Amy's not actually into this at any point in time. I don't think so. I think he's um, he's mentally roofing her. If we can just keep on a theme here, vampires have that vampire charm or whatever they use. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that makes things feel really icky for me. Mm-hmm. When, and then like the part where Charlie goes over and he like 
kisses her on the dance floor. That is gross, and I don't like it. And then uh, there's two black characters in this movie, and they're both security guards who just, like, immediately get killed. And that's mm-hmm. not that's not great for just, like, overall representation. Oh, when they're at uh, the final confrontation after... Peter Vincent kills the wolf that is Evil Ed. Um, and his death scene goes on for a while. Like, he really suffers as he's de-transforming back into a human. Best part of the movie for me. Um, Maybe. I loved it, and how... Um, well, there's like a really cool slow-mo wolf running shot before, in those mm-hmm. funny red wolf glowing eyes. But that... The sound design as the wolf howls of pain slowly become more and more human and then become like those of a boy's. And it's just kind of heart wrenching to see, even though Evil Ed's kind of a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still hard to watch as Peter Peter Vince is like, oh, Jesus, I just staked a 15 year old boy. And he dies naked, which. When he's totally transformed back, like it's just his naked body with a with a a very large stake sticking out of his chest. It's a big one. Uh, it, was, it was it was like a table leg or something that yeah he crashed through right. Um, but did you notice that one of the trinkets on um, Peter Vincent's necklace, like he's got symbols from all of the different religions on his necklace, but the one in the middle is a hamsa. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. I did not notice that. Uh, do, uh what do you think of that establishing shot of the house <laughs> with the billowing fog? Is that how did they do that? Was that a model? How did they get that much fog to billow out of the roof of that house and everything? Um, the house, I looked this up because. Uh, the movie felt very stagey, like, you know, all the lights are fake or all the moonlight is fake and everything. Um, it's the same sets that they used for um, something wicked this way comes. The, the street, the exterior for the houses was also in something wicked this way comes. Oh, funny. That's a cool little yeah. connection back to the show. Uh, so I don't know if they would have miniatures on hand for the sets or for the, those exteriors, or they literally just filled that house with smoke. (laughs) Did you find that this movie was really backstacked? I feel like the last third of this movie gets so much, becomes so fun in like goopy, sloppy Mm -hmm. gore violence and stuff. It really, it kind of takes its time to set itself up in the first two thirds, even if it does move along and it drags in the club scene or whatever. But I, I really, really enjoyed the last third of this movie yesterday. Yeah, I like I like the opening. It gets moving. Um, it's a little more comedic, and then I like the ending because, um, like the the henchman, the Renfield for Dandridge, um, who is posing as his gardener or something. That's that's definitely his boyfriend also. Oh, totally. Those boys fucking. Yeah, we 
I mean, we don't generally talk about the subtext, but this movie is very gay or, or pansexual. Like Jerry Dandridge is horny for everybody. <laughs> and he's trying to turn Charlie into one of his slaves. That's my one of his love slaves. That's my theory. Yeah, it kind of is pretty. I wonder when that kind of came into vampire lore that they are often just kind of pansexual beings who exist on a sexual plane that does not does not discriminate in any way it, just as long as it's sex because mm. true blood was definitely like that or just if you want to fuck someone go for it it doesn't matter who they are or how old <laughs> like what color what species anything just go for it i was going to say there there's fairies and werewolves in true blood aren't there there, there's brujas. It, that show is such a fucking mess, man. That's why I was like, I can't even keep track of werewolves, fucking fairies, but <laughs> with vampires, I don't. It that show turned into such a mess. I really liked it for the first three seasons or so, and there were mm -hmm. some really cool horror movie parts at times. I think back fondly on a part where Bill is having sex with a vampire. And he turns her, her head around 180 degrees so that he doesn't have to look at her while he's fucking her. <laughs> oh. Horny no, show. Speaking of horny. That show's incredibly horny. The, yeah. the books were kind of horny, but the show was very horny. When the... Uh, when the, the Renfield gets killed, though, uh, he just turns to goop and... He gets shot in the face like three times by Peter Vincent, and he still he takes a look at him and keeps on ticking. Yeah, and Peter Vincent must have loaded his gun with fog bullets that morning because <laughs> those six shots fill the room with fog to the point where it looks like a Sun O concert or something where it's just billowing wall of fog. You can't even see three feet in front of you. He can't even see if he's killed this man or not. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it looks like because he emerges through the fog then um, I expected his like WWE walkout music to be happening <laughs> at the same time oh and during this part says so Sarandon is trying to like get in there in the fight and Charlie holds up a cross to them and Sarandon's reaction every time Charlie holds up the cross is hilarious it's so over the top of <gasps> <laughs> he, like, he like recedes from it it's so over the top but this part's really cool when charlie stakes the the assistant vampire and there's like green nickelodeon slime dumping out of him <laughs> and then this like the slime goes to dust and then we get that like that awesome effect where it's like half a face like decaying and like rotting and melting in front of our eyes it's really cool looking uh i like the skull that slides across the floor and like bonks into the wall uh and it's all slimy and goopy looking and when it bounces off the wall it looks like it's smiling like it the mouth opens up a little bit like it's gonna grin at you it's a good time here man these effects at the end really elevate this movie uh, it's crazy. That's how we all are inside, isn't it? Just green goop and bones. Yeah, yeah. Bunch of gack running in my blood. 
haven't thought about Gak in a long time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I noted that I love this, all these creature effects. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, Peter gains his faith. The cross has power. He's standing in front of um, that big, cool, smashed stained glass window as we get a very pretty, I'm guessing, matte painting sunrise behind mm-hmm. them. But it looks really beautiful. And then, um, yeah, the vampire turns into a bat, which is really fun. Cool looking effect there. And then all the window smashing that happens, that's that's a good time. to. That's like a fun final act way to defeat the vampire by letting in all of the sunlight into this room. So at this point, uh, Dandridge has turned Amy, uh, Brewster's girlfriend, uh, into a vampire. And oh yeah, yeah. she's she is attacking Charlie as Peter Vincent is fighting with uh, Jerry with Dandridge, and I love her uh, makeup, the big the big mouth, like oh yeah 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 the big mouth was cool. It really reminded me of ah, I I couldn't place it, but it, it's like a really specific look with that makeup and the the dagger teeth that she has. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's cool that all of the creatures have different like appearances. Oh, I, maybe I, in some ways, I think it kind of makes me think of the Evil Dead remake. There's a a wide mouth demon okay. in that movie. Speaking of which, man, I'm 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 going full on blackout mode as far as Evil Dead rises or uh-huh. whatever because I know I'm seeing it. And I'm really excited about that. Who's directing that? Is that Almodovar? Or not Almodovar. <laughs> the other <laughs> guy. That, Almodovar. <laughs> uh, is it Fede Alvarez? No, he did the remake. No, he did the last one. Um, it's someone that I like and I'm excited about. Anyway, I, is... I just... I'm not going to watch any trailers or anything for that one, for sure. It was directed by Lee Cronin. Who, did, Who the hell uh, is that? <laughs> yeah, he did several short films. He did a movie called The Hole in the Ground. Uh, and then he did one of the 50 States of Fright, which was a great series that Sam Raimi also contributed to that was on Quibi. How did this man get this job? Probably because of the 50 States of Fright um, episode. Why did it, I think I was excited about this? Um... Are you excited that it's like produced by the original team, like Rob, Rob and Sam? No, I, I, I can't tell you how little I value a producer's credit from the producers of Sinister. I'm like, that doesn't mean shit. The people, okay, you, you arranged the money for this movie. Great. You didn't write it. You didn't act in it. You didn't direct it. You didn't do shit. You just got money for it. That's not... That tells me... From the producers of... Tells me nothing about the quality of a movie I'm about to watch. Um, I really don't like... Like, producers annoy the shit out of me. And it a lot of it also goes back to that... I had that internship where I would log... Behind the scenes interviews for like... Cowboys versus Aliens or... Iron Man 3 or whatever... And producers always talked the longest on those fucking things. And you could just tell they wanted so much attention and credit for it 
that they were going to give the most long-winded answers in the hopes of getting their shit on the DVD. And it was just, it's just so boring. Uh, Who's that guy that works with Ron Howard with the big hair? Uh, Brian Grazer? Yeah. I don't hold, I, I just, I just remember him. Yeah, he's, um... Am He's, I wrong though? Am I wrong about producers? I may I may be very wrong about this. You tell me. I mean, isn't it? I feel the, like they're money men. At the Oscars, uh, the producers get the award for best picture. Like they're the ones who get to accept it. So apparently That's who that random guy was talking about everything everywhere? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That doesn't seem right. Um, no, but that's like classic Hollywood kind of stuff. I'm reading, um, Hollywood, the oral history, and, uh, they talk a lot more about producers being like the driving force behind the movies back in the, the, uh, studio system days. Like the directors were brought on very much as for hire. You might have a specialty, but unless you were like Hitchcock, you didn't pick your projects for the most part. You were just tossed onto mm. something okay and you know I, I speaking of ron howard i feel like he's a director who often just gets attached to stories that already exist i recently watched that like thailand cave rescue movie he did but in my mind especially with i guess the new wave of directors and i find that directors are usually much more attached to their projects nowadays mm -hmm. and they're it's less often that they're a gun for hire. Especially if you have like a writer director. Um, I mean, specifically like the Daniels, right? Like that movie is all, all them. Yeah, for sure. They just needed the money. Yeah. So anyway, um, window smashing. Oh, and then, uh, that he's going to kill Vincent. And then he, Charlie pulls open the drape, which launches him with like a green flame <laughs> of sunlight 20 yes. feet against the wall. And there's a big explosion. It's a, it's a cool kill. And uh, um, at the very end of the movie here, as we close out, oh, his girlfriend's okay. Because when you kill, and this is another thing, when you kill the head vampire, she gets cured of mm -hmm. vampirism. Yet, as we see here, there's still some red eyes that exist over, and uh, it sounds like Evil Ed may still be alive after all. Yeah, the because uh, you hear, oh, Brewster, you're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny, funny way to end it. I also like, though, that Charlie has his girlfriend in bed at the end of the movie. And he sees the red eyes and she asks, is anything wrong? And he rightfully responds, no. <laughs> Which I, is just like, some things are just best left alone, right? The whole thing, because Jerry at the beginning, the first time he threatens uh, Charlie is just to leave him alone. He doesn't want to turn him into a vampire. He doesn't want to uh, kill him or anything. He's like, just just let me do my shit. And which, you know, he's a serial killer, uh, but just let me do my shit and don't tell anybody. That's his first request. <laughs> so 
He could have just shut his mouth and been fine. But now he... Now he's a vampire hunter. Oh, also that little wink that Peter Vincent gives him in the broadcast. Could you imagine sitting there watching this horror movie marathon? And then the host walks to the camera and goes, Thanks, Charlie. It's like, who the fuck is Charlie? What, what, what was that? Um, and then we close the movie out with a very fun, very 80s ass song. Uh, the Fright Night song. What do you think of it? Oh, by the Jay Giles band? Is that a real band? That is a real band. You don't... Oh, I guess you didn't grow up listening to, like, classic rock. Or... Oh shit, I can't think of what, what what's the fake genre of music you asked me if I listen to? Jangle? Jangle rock? <laughs> Jangle rock. <laughs> and uh afterwards Connie was like, that's totally a thing. No. No, no. So we're in league against you, is all that means. Um Did you stick around for the credits and notice that there was a song by Devo and a song by Sparks on on the uh soundtrack as well i mean i i let it play out but i i know devo did whip it right yes but i wouldn't recognize like a devo song outside of whip it and i don't know what sparks is oh you didn't watch the sparks documentary that everybody loved from like two years ago that edgar wright did no that seems like it would be up your alley it's a music doc about an underloved band that's like a cult favorite. I do you think I like music docs? It's it seems like a thing you would enjoy. No. Really? Not really, no. Huh. Okay. I can't I can't think of I I, I stop making sense. I like that, but that's I would not call that a documentary. That's just a live concert. It, right. It's just got and I know, I think it's also, I'm mixing in my distaste for music biopics. Also, I, I choose not to say biopics. <laughs> biopics. I'm realizing It's a biography. This. It's a biopic. Anyway, I really don't like music biopics because they all just follow the same boring-ass story of, like, the struggle to find fame, then the rocket launch of fame but careful what you wish for because here come the drugs and the bad people and now you oh you're down on your luck and everyone doesn't like you anymore and then you go away for a while and you get humbled and then you come back and it's like oh let's do one big concert because i'm back now and people like me and then the movie ends on like a big shot in front of the crowd and everyone's like yeah you don't want none of this dewey i saw that movie like eight times and the first time I saw it was Walk Hard. I think, no, not Walk Hard, Walk the Line. Yeah. And I was like, well, I like that. That was a good movie. And then I saw it again in like Ray. And I didn't watch Dreamgirls, but I could tell that was going to happen. And they just kept fucking doing this cycle, repeat the same movie over and over again. Maybe a music doc would be better, but no, not really interested in that. Huh. I, I can't argue with uh, the formulaic nature of uh, biographical pictures about musicians. <laughs> Wait, God. I'm I'm staying out of the <laughs> argument. <coughs> I 
you're you're circumventing the pronunciation of biopic caused me to choke on my own spit. Oh. Let's rate this thing. What would you give Fright Night? Um, I didn't rate it on Letterboxd yet, did I? I would give this a three and a half. That last act is so much fun that mm-hmm. it kind of it leaves me just on a really good note. And so whatever kind of minor complaints I have about things dragging a little bit in the second act, it's all pretty much erased by that point. And it's just a good time. I had fun with it. Three and a half. Yeah. Um, three and a half. I think it's a the perfect kind of like the environment of seeing it at like a sleepover or at a party is perfect. Because yeah. you can you can tune into the cool parts, and during the middle section when they're running down the alley and the whole club scene and all that, that's kind of drawn out and boring. You just let it slide. Maybe you go get a drink or some some snacks or something during that portion. I agree. So uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about Deadstream. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back from the break. Next up, we're going to be talking about Deadstream. This is produced by Jared Cook, Meany Stone, Vanessa Winter, and Joseph Winter. And that's the only thing that matters. They're who produced it. <laughs> I kid. But this is uh, directed and written by uh, the married couple, Vanessa Winter and Joseph Winter, starring primarily Joseph Winter. And um, this Deadstream came out on um, Shudder last year. And mm-hmm. I heard positive things i know our friend and previous guest dustin was really positive and excited about it and so i finally got around to it um maybe like a week after it hit shut or whatever and i just had so much fun with this one it was just such a good time and so when you presented me with fright night i was trying to think all right well what's fright night basically aspects of the story that i kind of key in on it's it's a fun story it's a story where shit's happening and people don't believe that it's real as the main character tries to tell them it is. And then there's also the idea of just like a, a broadcast. And the broadcast thing didn't really quite line up with like Peter Vincent's show broadcast versus this dead stream. But those were kind of all the, the linking things I had in my head. And you had seen this before too, right? Yes. Um, I think I watched it as soon as it came out. Um, because when did it come out? October of last year? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Um, because I had heard good, I remember hearing good things about it for a while, uh, because it premiered at like Fantastic Fest or South By or something like that. So it was South By. Yeah, yeah. It had been, um, in the, the ether, in the Twitter sphere for a while, people talking about it. Yeah, and so basically, it's a really simple setup. There's a a Twitch streamer, YouTube streamer, um, who's been banned from the internet because he's a piece of shit who <laughs> does all kinds of stunts, including smuggling himself out of Mexico dressed as a Mexican person. Um, doing <laughs> The baby Moses challenge made me laugh yes. of getting put in a bassinet and just going down a river dog sledding without a shirt on uh but as we find out throughout the movie the thing that really got him kicked off the internet was 
hiring a big homeless person to fight him because he thought he would have no chance of beating the person, but apparently he hospitalized them. And so, and so this man now is coming back from the inter- uh, to the internet, and so he's going to do a live stream in a haunted house. And the cr- basically this whole movie, the trick of it is, how can we get the audience to cheer for this piece of shit? And I think they pull it off. Um, hmm. I don't know if I'm ever actually fully on his side because he's such, he's, first of all, he's a doofus. Like, he's not just kind of a piece of shit. He's also kind of a big dummy <laughs> the entire movie. Well, and I think that's, bec- I think that's part of like the critique of, PewDiePie, who gets mentioned many times in yes. the, the comments in the Twitch chat, is that critique of grown adults playing child characters for children, because that's who their community tends to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so later, on, later on in the movie, when that kid... <laughs> He's like 12 years old since him a video about the the what's it called the demonic hand protection? Yeah, the the Hamsa. That cracked me up a lot. It's this kid 12. Yeah. And he's giving him like a demonology lesson. But I so I I like Twitch. I watch Twitch um on my second monitor. I'll just have a stream on in the background and I I tend towards People who play video games or sometimes do little crafting projects, but, you know, usually smaller communities of, like, under 100 viewers and just places where you can actually have a little bit of a chat with someone and kind of get it. I really don't get the appeal of the giant streamers mm-hmm. and the ones where the the lifestyle, the daily life streamers and people who are following, like, Twitch culture but in like the drama that happens between streamers like it's a reality tv show and that's that's kind of this world that they're tapping into with Mm -hmm. this character and um and i i don't i don't see the appeal of that side of twitch but that's who this is um yeah he's they mentioned youtube and livid which is their their fake twitch uh that he's primarily on um baby lay down making me nervous um the uh, is is this mr beast as well probably i have i don't know him but uh, probably i have yeah. o- only been introduced to him recently because of olivia watching um like we let her watch youtube occasionally and she zeroes in directly to like this weird ass kids content um and it's there's unsettling amounts of um, adults who act like children or uh, uh, blippy. Blippy is terrifying. I don't even know what that is. That's you, you know, you should do some homework. We should do a blippy episode <laughs> so you can learn about the man who wears these giant orange glasses uh, and suspenders. Um, yeah, it's a weird world of, of these youtube personalities but that's who this dude reminds me of like except for he's not playing a character he actually is this giant man child yeah i think 
like I think his screams are definitely ridiculous, but I think that was part of his character. His PewDiePie character was those like ridiculous high pitched screams, which mm-hmm. he does so many times mm-hmm. throughout this movie. <laughs> but okay, here's one thing I'll say is have you did you watch the movie oh fuck what's that car movie dash cam no the the um the host the host guy the guy that yeah. made the host so that's a similar movie found footage movie with a streamer character but in this movie deadstream i can tell that this man sean winter or not sean winter um joseph joseph winter is having a good time critiquing these people and this culture and everything. And and this is just a really fun performance. And so I think that's why I'm rooting for the character is because, yes, the character is a piece of shit, but I'm loving the actor and Mm -hmm. I'm loving the actor's energy. In Dash Cam, it's like the opposite because it's a piece of shit character. And I'm like, oh, I think this is just the actor portraying herself which is making this such a bummer now because this, there is no critique here. This is just like a character believing in this shitty behavior. And it, it, I hated dash cam hated it. Yeah. I remember there being some kind of like um, controversy around, is she just playing herself uh, in dash cam? Although I, I didn't watch it. It seemed um, I, I didn't want to spend an hour and a half with that character from what i've heard it if she's playing herself she's one of the least likable human beings i've hung out with in a while and i hate i really don't ever i want to say like personal attacks about an actor or anything but that movie brought things out of me that i didn't know i had inside (laughs) me like my god i didn't know i could get this this upset with a movie, but oh my, I was fuming by the end of it. Uh, that's like me watching The Whale. I got, I'm still upset about that movie. Yeah, I, I'm pretty proud of my review of The Whale. Um, it's, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. Good acting, but even the good acting, it's like, can you have good acting with bad writing? It's hard to do. Yes. Uh, and makes me think less of Darren Aronofsky, which is kind of hard to do. <sighs> Aronofsky has dug himself into a little bit of a hole lately with me and kind of needs to win me back a little. Like maybe by releasing an apology video. The fact <laughs> when, that when he Sean, uses his apology Sean, video. When he, <laughs> but when Sean... Hadoukens, yes. the apology video. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, this brings up a good point. Sean is said about a hundred times during this movie. And I just was trying to think, like, do you... I can't think of that many other... T- well, I guess Sean of the Dead. They say Sean a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Is there a Josh movie for you? Mm. Um, no. Oh, um, Blair Witch. Oh, Joshua Leonard? Josh! Yeah. Josh! Screaming out in the woods. Uh, what was, I was listening to, was it um, Evolution of Horror maybe the other day? And Josh Tonks is one of the frequent guests. And uh, the host is like, what did you think about that, Josh? And 
<laughs> it's just, it's a little weird. It's like he's whispering right in my ear. Yeah, today when there's a couple times where the the demon would invisibly go, Sean, and, and close to the microphone, I was like, what? <laughs> um, so he gets, he has a, a little demonology toolkit, Sean does, which is basically all the Castlevania weapons, garlic, cross, <laughs> a silver dagger, and salt. And uh, the rule he creates for himself is that if something weird happens, he has to check it out. In true horror movie fashion, which mortified me, he chucks his spark plugs into the woods <laughs> when I'm like, okay, even if there's not ghosts, man, you might be stranding yourself out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, he's also, I never don't, leaving there. I, I don't know. It would be hard for I don't know if I could pull a spark plug out of my car right now. Um, like, I just don't know if I could figure out where uh, that spark plug is. So you follow from the coil pack, you follow the wires, uh, and there's like an L shape uh, that goes down into the the cylinders. Uh, and you kind of you pull that wire off and they're underneath there. Coil pack mm-hmm. or distributor cap, depending on you've got a coil pack on your car, I'm guessing, because it's it's new. Or, we had a coil pack on this show a couple months ago talking about Friends of Eddie Coil. <laughs> oh, I hate that. I I hate that I laughed at that. <laughs> um, <laughs> did I tell you, uh, Kira's car, um, one of the spark plugs shot out of the piston? No, how does that happen? It If you don't have it torqued to the right level... Um, if it's too much, it can pull out all the threads if the pressure builds up in that cylinder. Um, and if it's loose, it'll just like keep spinning and eventually just shoot out, which is what happened. I didn't, when I changed them, I didn't torque it incorrectly because uh, I didn't have a torque wrench. So I just kind of guessed. Um, but I got a torque wrench when I fixed it this time. But it, it created a dent in her hood, like from the inside. Wow. Yeah. You made a little rocket. Yep. A little uh, ceramic and metal rocket. Almost like you made a potato cannon inside the engine of the car. Uh, you're jumping way ahead here. There's so <laughs> much to get through. So many good little bits. Um, oh, barbed wire or bob wire, as my mom calls it. I'm not a big fan of barbed wire or bob wire, as my mom calls it. There's got to be another door. That little lie made me laugh. Yeah. He locks himself in the house, puts the key in the vent, <laughs> so he's padlocked in. So stupid. And what do you think of the chat interactions? I think the chat interactions are really fun. Mm-hmm. And I they get the tone right. I like how they the method they do of highlighting individual messages as the whole scroll is kind of going underneath it is pretty clever. And just stuff like haunted houses overdone. Yeah. What do you mean? I've never done a haunted house. It was just like that stuff. It was just, it was a really good time. This movie keeps the energy high also. The the energy level never really drops down. And I noted right when you're getting tired of one thing, it introduces the next bit. It escalates. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Or same with like the location changes. Yeah. 
but just when we're sick of being inside the house, we we end up outside the house for a bit. Yeah, and they do such a good job of utilizing the the opening where you see his uh, him Hadouken the apology video. Um, they introduce the cameras that he uses the the backpack PVC rig where he's got a GoPro pointed back at his face and one pointing away from his face. Uh, and, and it's a throwaway line, but it's, it's a good way to cheat it, but it's just like, oh, and I have this thing on my wrist, and when I flick my wrist, it switches the edit. Yeah. It's like, cool, that's, that's enough of an excuse for me that to, like, why is this stream edited this yep. way? Fine with me. Which, it, it's a Fitbit. They, when he lifts his wrist, it's a Fitbit. It's one of the older ones. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and they introduce, they take you through the geography of the house. And as he's being goofy, he lays out the whole history and everything that's going to happen. It's like, it's really tightly done for a loosey goosey looking horror uh, found footage movie. It's a good reason to give all of the, um, no oh shit. What do you call it? When you just lay down ex- uh, exposition can't. Yes. Just lay down all the exposition, all the backstory of the house and everything, because it makes sense that he's presenting it to his stream. And uh, Joseph Winter also scored this movie, as his character (laughs) says. And that's another great little trick of like, all right, this guy is going to be scoring his own experience. And that's a great way to now get music into our found footage movie and to spice things up a little bit. What do you think when he goes through and he tries to pick the least haunted room to set up his, his like little workstation, his home base in. Um, and then immediately, uh, destroys the, the symbol of good that's protecting him. <laughs> like this is the first thing he does when he's in the house. <laughs> he sees the palm sigil. It's like, Oh no, this, this has to be evil or something. It smashes it. Yeah. <laughs> And he has a wheel of stupid things to do, which has, like, seance, Ouija board, uh, EVP recording, all that stuff. Which is fun ways to keep this movie moving quickly. Um, And uh, there's one line that I really like where he's like, I don't know how to tell the difference between a house sound and a ghost sound. (laughs) That made me laugh. Uh paranormal g-spot of the house got me (laughs) uh so then and i i said it's really fun when the chat intervenes with things in this movie whether to give him more information or as we see here at the very start to point out that there's uh some kind of white cloudy ghosty shape that walked down the hollow the hallway and followed him into that room yeah, and uh, his protestations at first, where he's like, this hack Photoshop job, you're not going to trick me with that. And then he goes back and reviews the footage and actually sees it. Um, and it, I did not expect this movie, the first time watching it, to be a live-action cartoon. Like, his responses are so outsized. Uh, and he's such a, uh, he, like a cartoon character. You know, he like starts flailing around and screaming and everything. But that's that's perfect because that's what child YouTubers are. Mm -hmm. They're exaggerated 
like nonsensical human beings. Um, I've, you know, and they talked about, I, I read a little quick interview with him and his wife and they talked about essentially the hardest part of the movie was trying to get the tone of the character right to the point where people will be rooting for this guy, even as they don't like him. Mm-hmm. And as he's getting attacked by ghosts and, uh, they said, you know, they did a lot of rewrites and some reshoots and stuff, but they really, they found the character in the editing room and by doing some ADR on certain scenes and changing things up and also doing test screenings, they were able to dial in on what aspects of him that audiences liked and then they cut stuff that was too cynical, too, too vitriol or not vitriolic, like too um, uncaring and they were able to like dial in the the tone of this character and i i really think they do they do get it it's not he's not a man that i would like in real life but i'm rooting for this character to survive yeah and that i understand the uh okay two threads two tabs two microprocessing uh threads that you opened up here one did they talk about their entry in VHS 99 or have you seen that? I have not. Okay. I've seen a few of the VHSs, but not that one. Okay. Uh, as with all of them, it's very up and down. Yes. Um, but their section is great. Like it, it has a lot of the tone of Deadstream. Um, so I would recommend if, awesome. yeah. If you just want to check I, that I hope out. this movie I hope this movie propels their career to to keep making stuff. It seems like it's gotten really good response and, mm-hmm. and you know, Shudder I think keeps becoming more and more legitimate and kind of self-validating and now like I don't know, I feel like this movie a horror movie with a good release on Shudder can develop enough of a following too to keep going and to make money. I mean, the, um, Jed Shepard and crew from host, uh, have managed to stack up some other projects. Um, the other thread that it opened up was, uh, the first things, the first two things that I remember seeing, like when I see interesting stuff on Twitter, I bookmark it to like go back, especially if people are talking about a movie that I want to see or something. Two of the threads, one was uh, mentioning that this was like Blair Witch crossed with Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2 There's, specifically. Yeah, it, it gets very Evil Dead-y uh, here as we, like the further we get into the movie. Yeah. Uh, and the other one was somebody offended at the racism in the film. I don't, but that's the point, isn't it? That's the character. It's the character. It's not the movie. (laughs) The point of the character is that he's a racist piece of shit who's doing everything for clicks without actually thinking of consequences for the people he hurts. Yes. And the, to me, it was one of the funniest lines um, in the movie when, (laughs) when he says, I know what you're going to say. Uh, I'm sorry. I've learned. I'm. He basically says, "I'm not racist anymore. I'm dedicating this stream to the blacks and Mexicans." And also, 
I want to apologize to, to the minorities. A lot of you thought that I was making light of a serious situation when I got smuggled across the border. That wasn't funny. I mean, it was, but for the wrong reasons, and I'm sorry. I have been racially and culturally insensitive, but I've learned and I've grown. In fact, I'd like to dedicate this broadcast to the blacks and Mexicans. This is for you. Yeah. This one's for this you. One's for that line <laughs> That line fucking got me really good. He's so clueless. It's great. Yeah. Um so this is the part where uh Chrissy, the fangirl shows up played by Melanie Stone and her character is interesting because I like to think about this ghost that she turns out to be, mm-hmm. but this ghost clearly knows enough about like fangirl culture and streamer culture to know how to like behave around this guy as if she's one of her characters right. or one of his followers. And so it really just makes me wonder, like, is this, has this ghost just been watching Twitch <laughs> for months like, <laughs> and build up to this? What's, what's going on with Chrissy? Um, I like that the the chat likes Chrissy better than Sean <laughs> immediately. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, and let she, her stay. Uh, I think, um, yeah, Melanie Stone, she brings a lot of energy to mm-hmm. this. And it this easily could have been a very frustrating or annoying character that was too over the top. Um, but once again, I think they just dial it in where it's just fun. Even if you don't like the character itself, they not liking the character is not in any way detracting from my enjoyment of the movie. Yeah, she shows up right when you need something to happen. Yeah. Like, as far as, okay, you're kind of, you're not tired of him yet, but it's right at the beginning of where you would get tired of him just sitting in a room. Yes. And it's also, but we get enough time with Sean by himself to where I was ready for it. Unlike, say, the show Last Man on Earth, Mm -hmm. which I really feel like should have stretched that portion of him being the last man on Earth longer. But it's like near the end of the pilot, they break that that conceit of the show. Yeah, And it's like, but that... (laughs) That's not the interesting part of the show. <laughs> the interesting part of the show was when he was alone. Um, Anywho, um, there's a cool, some cool, scary haunted stairs behind a wall panel. I, I, I wonder where they got this location. I don't know. I was going to ask. Um, it's filmed in Utah. D- did you have any haunted houses uh, in your neighborhood or anything growing up? No, because there's like. Nothing in Southern California is old enough. Hmm. You know? Okay. There's not, there's not really the history out here in California with a lot of things compared to further east, where you get more old colonial buildings and, and that kind of thing. I mean, are, are there no fresh ghosts? I mean, we have, what do we have? In San Diego, there's like the Whaley House, which I've been to. The Frank Whaley and then House? And there's, um, 
I, I don't know who it is, but you could look it up in Whaley House. It's 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 haunted, supposedly. And then there's um the Winchester House. That's right. like a really famous one. But those are like across the state of California. But as far as just like a local haunted house that was like that old abandoned house that all the kids were afraid of to walk past, no, didn't have that. Um, there's a movie called The Haunting of Whaley House. It's on Tubi and Netflix. Okay. Um, the Before they wind up um, in the basement, the, the back and forth with um, she keeps giving him like bigger and bigger spooks. Like, like he turns around and she's gone and she jumps back into the room. Uh, I just loved that she is playing with him. Like you get it, especially later as she becomes the ghost or it's revealed that she was Mildred the whole time. Uh, but it's part of the trick of the movie. Like if you watch sinister or something, you're always wonder like, why doesn't the ghost just kill them right away? If that's what they're trying to do, why does it mess with them? And here she's just taking pleasure in messing with him. <laughs> and trying to break down his mental fortitude. That's the whole goal. Cause Bagul is a pussy and that needs children to do his devious deeds for him. God, those sinister movies. <laughs> so good until they're so dumb. <laughs> I barely remember. Uh, I've only seen the first one, but the dude, the short, the, the home, the home movies yes. in sinister one. They're so good. Yeah. And so when that movie eventually trips over its own feet in the last act, it's it's a real letdown. Yeah, that's I remember that being my response, but I remember no specifics. Uh, but the images from those home movies are still in my head. Yeah, they're badass. Yeah. Uh, Chrissy gets them to repeat a bunch of Latin words, which uh, later turn out to be he like pledges her soul to her basically yeah. his soul to her something like that uh, uh later on chrissy bites him uh in the neck and he stabs her in the neck uh, supposedly killing her and that that's fun um when they are in the cellar uh right before she tricks them into speaking the latin and they find the um the book of mildred's poems and the little box that he opens up later. Uh, he picks up the box and goes, Ooh, there's probably money in here. <laughs> it's just, so, it's just, why would he assume that he's just so stupid? Um, and then when he dismisses her poems as Chrissy, she gets offended. He's like, Oh, it's just stupid poems. And she's like, they're not stupid. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, They're good. Her Mildred shining through. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> later when he's reading the poem and he's like, he reads some line of poems like, oh, that's actually pretty good. Not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a really cool shot. So he has the iPad yes. with the camera setups. And they use the iPad for a couple scares and for a couple jokes later on when he labels things. Spear cam. Beef cam. Or after he kills, he kills Mildred, he puts Mildred, nope, Mildred cam <laughs> on her label. Um. But there's the shot where Mildred is hanging at the end of the hallway. 
And so when he looks at the iPad, he can see her hanging in front of him. And then when he lowers it, there's nothing there. And what a simple thing of just like playing the movie, like in in real life of like how to make this movie. Mm -hmm. You record it with the actor or the dummy hanging in the corner. And then you just hit play on that video file on the iPad. and, And then you just walk and kind of recreate the steps. But... What what like a low budget but very effective cool mechanism to have like a, a a cool invisible scare there, and it it cuts from his forward facing camera to the corner camera. I guess we didn't talk about the fact that he sets up these GoPros and they somehow all run through one app uh, that everyone can like. He edits the mainstream, but they can still see the other pieces because they alert him to what's what else is happening um but yeah the fact that he just pulls down the ipad and she's right there and it's one of those like it made me i've seen this movie already i knew what was going to happen and i laughed out loud when her when she jumps at him yeah it's like um that scare that you know is coming. Mm-hmm. You know when he lowers the iPad on the third time or fourth time or somewhere, eventually something's going to be there. It's like in the Saw movies. There's a part where it's... Oh, jeez. There's a part where there's a completely pitch black room except for the flash of the camera. Mm-hmm. And so you just go with the characters. He's walking through his house and you keep just getting every two seconds a flash of an image. And you know... One of these flashes is going to sh- scare the shit out of me, but which one is it going to be? Hey, this is Sean with an editor's note. Skip forward about 30 seconds if you don't want to hear some minor Scream 6 spoilers. Not to spoil it, but there is a great uh, little sequence in the new Scream movie where they're on the subway uh, and the lights keep blacking out and the ghost face keeps getting closer and closer in between the, the lights blacking out. And to subvert what's happening in the last one, he's just gone. And it's more frightening than if he was like right in front of the camera or jumped at you. Like it keeps that tension building, which I really liked. So, and then as she, as they, she attacks him. The the only stuff that I'd like, uh, what's with the, the finger up the nose? I stuff. <laughs> I don't know. She does it twice. Why? Is that like the most direct route to his brain is through his nose? Or his soul or something? Yeah, I don't know. Because that's, uh, that's the only part where I'm like, ah, this humor is a little... that That's like pushing it a little too far for me as far as like what I find funny. Mm-hmm. That's like almost as if they put a fart joke in this movie or something, you know? Yeah. Um. S- but the when he pulls her fingernail out of his nose, that's gross. That's yeah. That's like the beginning of the stuff really happening to him. The I guess we saw the tub of of gunk earlier, but he's not interacted with it yet. The the blood dripping, and then his nose is like that nostril is clogged with blood for the whole rest of the movie. It's just yeah. It, we 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 we're looking up this man's nose a lot. Yeah, <laughs> this movie. Um, so it's, it's around this point that Sean basically has his 
come to God realization that I've been a piece of shit and we get an actual like seemingly legitimate apology of oh no this is not this is the part where he's still denying everything huh yeah Yeah, because he has to jump out the window first he apologizes he had to yeah um when he's hiding in that closet though and he's hiding from her and then she appears her head is now in between his legs somehow (laughs) in the pile of clothes and she bites him on the crotch yes that was so evil dead too Mm mm-hmm and just uh, just straight Raimi. Um, so when was it? He jumps out the window. He jumps out the window after that. Yeah, and slices open his <laughs> leg. Tries to possibly cl- breaks it. Tries to clean it with some hand sanitizer and one Q-tip. Have you ever put isopropyl alcohol on a cut? Um, I talked about this yesterday uh, with Eli because we. Uh, got out of the movie theater and we sanitized our hands uh, and we both had cat scratches on our hands. And it's even that little, like little dig into your skin fucking hurts. Yeah. And I mean, you're really not supposed to put straight alcohol on wounds, but once I sliced my foot open on a razor blade, don't, don't shave in the shower. It's it's only going to lead to injuries. (laughs) What were you shaving that the razor was by your foot? There's a shelf, and I was putting, I used double-edged razors. So I had taken one razor blade out, and I had replaced it with a new razor, but I put the old razor blade just on that shelf, because I was going to then shower and shave, and somehow I knocked that little razor blade onto the floor of the shower, and kicked it, basically. So, I poured isopropyl alcohol on that foot and it was some of the most intense searing pain i've ever experienced and it don't do it it's bad for your tissue and everything um but that that cut did not get infected <laughs> the my response to this story is uh like i'm watching jackass like <laughs> it, it my toes are curling and my bones hurt <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like that story. It's upsetting. Um. So Sean is out by the car. He sees some kind of ghoul in the woods out there. Right as he's freaking out, a cop shows up. Um. But of course, the cop isn't who he seems to be either. There's no cop car nearby, and the cop starts coming after him. And the cop turns out to be one of the old ghosts too. So he's hiding in the back seat of his car clinging to a plastic ice scraper as a weapon. I laughed very hard at the Slim Jim monopod (laughs) that he crafts with duct tape and a piece of Slim Jim, and he sticks it out the window, and then to create a permanent... He just rolls the window up (laughs) to squeeze the Slim Jim in and create a permanent tripod Mm -hmm. monopod out there. That was very funny. Um, The... Oh, have you seen the movie The Battery? Yeah, the movie about the two baseball players? Yeah. In a zombie apocalypse? Yeah. Yes. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, when he's stuck in the back of the car, because that's a big part of the, I guess, the oh, third yeah. act of the batteries, the guy gets trapped in the back of the car with all the zombies around him. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you can make that fun or interesting at all, kudos. 
Because you're just sitting in a car with darkness around you. Right. <laughs> so at this point, he gets another message, a video message from one of his Twitch chatters. And it's someone's grandma who's telling him a story of how she worked in the house. <laughs> it's so funny that <laughs> she's she's a little long-winded. So he's like, freak out, get to the point. <laughs> so we watch this woman's whole message in double speed. And uh, she tells him that a flesh sacrifice is required to do whatever protection ritual that he needs to do. And uh, he finds the potato cannon in the bath <laughs> right as the zombie attacks and breaks through the window. Climbs out the car. And this this effect really made me laugh when he launches the potato or no it's a bobblehead he launches a bobblehead of himself through the torso of this zombie which then lands on the potato cannon and kind of in an homage to Shaun of the Dead which I just watched slides down the pole towards him and I like how he's so grossed out it's at this point he's it's not even that it's a zombie or that it's like supernatural stuff happening to him he's just like like ooh it's icky as the 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 torso of the cop zombie ghost <laughs> slides yeah, towards a lot him. Of, a lot of a lot of just like icky shit start happening to poor Sean here. Uh-huh. Um Sean de- decides that oh, um Mildred's just like me. She's also just an attention craver who just wants people to, <laughs> to read her poetry. So it's time to demonetize this bitch. <laughs> Um, it's it's fun. Anytime he makes a weapon, it's fun. So like when he makes the spear and puts the silver, silver dagger, dagger at the end of the spear and coats the blade in garlic, goes back to find the heroin needles that he found earlier and fills those with holy water. It's, I like that. Even in this moment, he turns the tape over. Uh, in his so he can score the last part of the the story by himself once again. And it's like this more intense John Carpenter kind of score. I, that's going I, on. Hey, and the score, we only hear it through kind of that like tape player filter. So I'd be curious to listen to this score, mm-hmm. you know, like a direct MP3 of it. It's pretty good though. Yeah. I, I think it's cool. And like, it does build some of those like, all right, it's time to fight this ghost songs. Those work really well. And this is the part where now, after he's gone through all this shit, now he's he's had the realization that he's he's been a piece of shit and he's been hurting people and all this stuff. And now we we can finally be on Sean's side here for this final act, mm-hmm. supposedly. Now, now that he's realized and self-actualized who he is, now we can all really get behind him and cheer for him. Yes. Um, spear cam. That that made me really excited when he made spear cam. All the camera stuff is fun. Anytime he makes a new camera yeah. with the iPad, just a really cool plot device. Uh, and the fact that each camera expands the world, like of what you can see or what he can do, it's really that's fun. Yeah. Um. Or um. So this is the one where he he has the. 
the spear cam on and he sees the the man in the corner and he goes to stab the man in the corner and he does. <laughs> then the invisible man in the corner takes his spear and stabs him in the leg. <laughs> so that's fun seeing the spear stab Sean. <laughs> he made me laugh when he throws a bulb of garlic yeah. at the ghost. <laughs> Nothing happens and he just yells, garlic is bullshit. <laughs> and... um this part gets a little creepy, the part where Sean's eyes go fully cloudy, and he ends up teleported to a different part of the house in the bathtub. Yeah. I think that stuff is always creepy in horror movies when a character wakes up in a, in a place that they did not go to sleep in, or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in the, in the movie The Ritual, that hiker movie. Oh, yeah. It's a pretty good example of that that happens, where everyone kind of wakes up in a different circumstance- and it's 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 just really unsettling, and it taps into that feeling I think of like when we wake up in a hotel room at night, and it's just that that initial feeling of like, "Where the fuck am I? How did I get here?" And then it all comes back, like, "Oh right, right, I'm in middle of nowhere, Reno right now um, um so he ends up in a bathtub and he finds an eyeball in there, and he Eats the eyeball. <laughs> it's so gross. gross. And then this is um this is kind of like a Freddy moment where Freddy's in the bathtub with you mm-hmm. when the uh the zombie ghoul is in the bathtub with him and he injects it with holy water from the needle. And then at, right as he goes to mock it and scream in its face, the head explodes in like a explosion of pus and <laughs> it's disgusting and again this movie's just getting like sloppy and gross at the end uh the his joy at stabbing the thing and it seemingly stops moving because he stabs it through like a shower curtain or some yeah. plastic sheeting or whatever it is uh and then like he's still cheering when it explodes in his face and his mouth <laughs> And it looks like um, uh, some kind of like tapioca pudding or something. Tapioca, yeah. yeah. Which in itself is kind of gross. Yeah. Did you ever eat tapioca? Yeah, I like tapioca. But it is, it's a weird mouthfeel. I went through a phase of it when I was a kid. Maybe like a three-month tapioca phase. And I, I don't... I kind of like little balls in food. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, little chia seeds in there or some flax seeds or boba every now and then i was gonna ask what do you think about boba are you okay with boba i like it i get why people think it's weird yeah but it's kind of fun you know what it is i like a drink i can chew on (laughs) um are there other drinks you can chew on not really no the 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 main one that i can think of is when i was a kid i i went to school every day on carnation instant breakfast the chocolate milk powder Mm mm-hmm and I would make that I basically like double strength the amount of chocolate powder that th- that was recommended. Yeah, and so that would be pretty thick. And I felt like I could almost chew that each morning as I went to school to learn and educate my brain on astronaut food. <laughs> uh, pure pure sugar, pretty much. Well, no, there's like vitamins and stuff in there too. Oh, fortified sugar. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now you get it. I'm trying to think. I mean, I ate uh, cream of wheat earlier today. 
Which... I haven't had that in years. I feel like I would always put a lot of butter and brown sugar in it to basically negate whatever potential health benefit I was receiving from it. Uh, I put raisins. That's my, my compromise. That's a good one. Yeah. They kind of like leach some sweetness into it as well. I never have raisins on hand. I have to get more. Uh, raisins are actually a pretty good, like, feeling. You got the munchies post dinner, but you don't want to go all in on, like, ice cream or something. Mm-hmm. I feel like raisins would probably satisfy that craving. Yeah, you know what I like to do? Little handful of Here raisins, little handful of raisins, little spoon of peanut little butter. Little tab of mayonnaise. <laughs> what? <laughs> tab of mayonnaise. <laughs> what'd you what'd you say a L- little spoon of peanut butter oh no 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 see i i i got a jar of peanut butter two days ago and it's half gone you, you take big spoons of peanut butter it's it's more like the quant it the it's not the it's more the the amount of spoons that uh-huh. happens sometimes but as we've talked about, I get the real legit peanut. It's not like I'm just sitting there eating Skippy. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just, I'm just eating peanuts. But yeah. with uh, no, there's a, there's an ungodly amount of calories in it. But I can't <laughs> help myself. I love peanut butter. Uh, so, and, and if I, God help me, if I end up in a room with dark chocolate, peanut butter, and milk, uh oh. Uh oh, <laughs> there's gonna there's gonna be problems. Um, have I mentioned? I know we've talked about peanut butter a couple times. Uh, when I was a kid, <laughs> this we are in. I think every topic except for the movies we've talked about today has been a repeat. Every <laughs> tangent is just something we've already brought up. Um, take a big old spoonful of peanut butter and then dip it in the chocolate chips. Make your make your own Reese cup. Yeah, yeah, that's. But now you're just making in the bag. Yeah. Or but aren't you just I getting would... like peanut butter all over the bag? So we have these like little ramekins. I would pour the the chips into the ramekin. Okay. And then and then dip it, um, as if somehow that was limiting the number of chips I would eat. But in between, I'm also eating chips just fresh out of the bag, or dumping the ramekin into my mouth. Um, yeah. I've... The way to eat peanut butter and chocolate is if you have chips or a chocolate bar, yeah, you you break off a little piece of chocolate, chew that up a little to get that going, and then do the peanut butter chaser. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't know. I like them together. Like, just right no, together. No, no, they, they are together, but not not all at once. Well, you can do all at once, but either way, just make sure... Please, for the love of God, have some big glass of water or milk nearby if you're going to do this. I'm, I've felt the peanut butter glob mm-hmm. where it get, it gets past my trachea or whatever whatever my breathing valve is. So it gets past that, but then somewhere like behind my heart, it just gets <laughs> stuck. <laughs> that it's just like I can just feel. I, it's same thing when I was a kid and I'd eat pancakes. Sometimes I could swear I could feel like a pancake blockage. Just yes. Going down. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, the, Elizabeth makes protein waffles. And 
then she what, she spreads peanut that, butter on top. Is that banana banana protein or like banana peanut butter pancakes or no? It's what's a what is it? It's uh, there's a brand now because she used to make them like with uh, pancake mix and just protein powder. Um, but there's Co- Kodiak. It's got a bear on it. Um, and she just uses their pancake mix, I guess, to make waffles. But then she spreads peanut butter thick on top and then drops bananas on top of that. And it's just it's just glue. It's like cardboard with peanut butter and bananas in your mouth. And I can barely chew through it. I'm sure it has some sort of mystical health benefits, but uh, I can barely eat it without gagging. We sh- we're cool about like sharing stuff on the show, right? Yeah, I'd say so. We've shared stuff before. Yeah. Do you ever just like eat raw peanut, uh, eat raw pancake batter because you enjoyed the flavor of it? Oh yeah. Oh for sure. Oh good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Something I I love pancake batter. It's delicious, and I think it's just the baking soda mm-hmm. sensation on the tongue. I don't know, but. I like my pancakes. You got to get a thick batter going. I don't because these runny pancakes with a thin batter, they make mm-hmm. those like really flat pancake. That's not my kind of pancake. I like a thick pancake because that way you can cook it and leave the middle a little raw. Uh, if you can get the outside a little crispy and the, mid, the middle a little raw. Oh, a raw pancake in the middle. Uh-huh. Ooh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. It's the best. Um, you know how... Like, like when you like cut open your pancake and it kind of pours out like an egg over medium. <laughs> okay. I don't think I eat them quite that raw. That's, that's an intense amount of raw pancake. Uh, but you know how in a, in a professional kitchen, um, chefs have spoons in, in, their, in their apron and you know, they'll taste stuff and then toss the spoon. Uh, yeah. I used to do that when I worked at Bob Evans, but with the pancake batter, like in, uh, you know, there was a, like a Cambro of pan- pancake batter and just dip it in and take a, take a bite and toss it in the uh, dish, dish sink. And you were doing this when no one was looking, right? For the most part. Also, I was like 16. I didn't give a shit. Hmm. I don't know why they let me cook at a, at a family establishment when I was 16 years old. But I was totally a line cook at that point in time. Cooking steaks and fish on the the little uh, fiery grill part. Yeah. Listen, man, I'm, I'm trying to get back into dating post-COVID quarantine. And things my dates will not see is me in a room with chocolate and peanut butter <laughs> and me in a room with pancake batter. <laughs> These are little idiosyncrasies that I'm going to hide from people. And I know they say you should be honest with your dates. Mm-hmm. Not about everything. Not about everything. No, that's a few months into into some kind of some kind of relationship. And God forbid I ever like say these private things and then record and broadcast them <laughs> in some kind of medium which <laughs> somebody could follow. But luckily my date would have to sit through over two hours of this nonsense to have heard me say this thing. So I think I'm okay. You're good. I think I'm safe. What are we doing? Okay. 
he cleavers Mildred, Mildred, Cam, mm-hmm. and then um, she attacks him and knocks him out. And this is a, along with the nose pick, this is the other part that's uh, a little beyond for my sense of humor is uh, he gets waterboarded with ghost pee, I think. Uh, well, it was his own pee. It was his own pee. Yeah, okay, because he sings like "Rule Britannia" or something earlier as he's oh right, a leak. yeah, he pees on stream. That's yeah. right. I've, he streams on stream. Yes, yes, he does. Uh, um, yeah, that's just a little too much for me. It's uh, the waterboarding is one part, but when he yeah. knocks the washcloth off and you see literally a mouthful of it, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. this is. Not a lie or an exaggeration. I had a um, sizable uh, jug of Gatorade, <laughs> yellow Gatorade, next to me. I was so worried you were going to tell me <laughs> some story you have of like having like a giant piss container that would you would use all the time. Or oh no, but I I don't know what you guys do in Indiana. Uh, okay, so I had a big thing of Gatorade. Which I immediately got up and put back in the refrigerator. I like I went and got a Coke after I saw his mouth full of piss. Um, I couldn't drink the Gatorade anymore uh, because it just grossed me out. Um, Chasing that sugar dragon today, my friend. But I mean, now I'm with a, a zero sugar uh, Coke move limited edition. Coke move. Yeah. What is this? Last time. Was it last episode you told me about Coke Starburst or whatever, and I was <laughs> gravely disappointed in you? Yes. I th- I think you there's a uh, Venn diagram of disbelief and disappointment, <laughs> and we're smack in the middle of it. You think you that I'm making down. up you these You let sodas. me down a lot. You let me down a lot on this show. <laughs> What's Coke move? Um, It's kind of... Uh, Coconut flavored? Oh Jesus Christ! That sounds terrible. <laughs> it's it's called transformation flavored. It's and it's a little tiny can. It's got some like graffiti. Josh, on I, it. I, you know, I would rather you drink sugar Coke than zero Coke. Oh, I get too hyper. Nobody wants that. For a podcast that's good. Remember, our best episodes were when I was on Bang. <laughs> that's, that's debatable. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the Bang era. <laughs> oh, lordy. Um, does he cut off his finger yet? Yeah, we're at that part. So um, he realizes that he says whatever words about trying to bind the souls of the house to him instead, but it doesn't work because he needs to sacrifice the flesh and seeing her finger makes him realize. So yes, he says the words again, I bind all these souls in this house to me or whatever. And I thought it was a pretty impressive meat cleaver finger chopping effect. Mm -hmm. I thought it looked really good. When uh, I like the blood that they use because it's not just like thick blood. It's mixed with all the goop and everything that's been poured on him. So when he holds his arm up, there's like a sheen of the yellow tapioca pudding in the blood's kind of going through it. It's the, just yeah, gross. The, the yellow stuff that's like 
all over him by the end of this movie is what's really disgusting. At one point, it's like on his front tooth. Uh-huh. He just has some like yellow shit. I'm just like, oh, wait, what? I don't even want to know what fluid that is. Uh, it just it does remind me of uh, uh, Bruce Campbell getting blasted in the face with a goop cannon in Evil Dead Two. It's it's the effects aren't quite up there, but also the movie. I mean, this was made with. I don't know how much percentage-wise a smaller budget than uh, Evil Dead 2 was. Would you say this might be comparable to Evil Dead 1 as far as, like, production size? Um, no. Because even 1, they worked on for months and months um, until eventually it was only Sam Raimi, Ted Raimi, and Bruce Campbell left. That's why... Um, Ted Raimi winds up playing all of the different parts, except for Bruce's <laughs> at one point. Hmm. Uh, because everyone else got sick and tired of of shooting the movie and the horrible conditions they were in. Uh, and they shot it down here, and then the basement stuff was up in Michigan, and uh, they spent forever doing the effects work on it. Oh, I'm kind of speaking of that and everything, but um, good COVID movie here, as far as making a movie when we were still doing social distancing and everything. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a clever way to work that out and have a limited cast and crew and everything. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, all of the, almost everybody besides, uh, Melanie and Joseph are, uh, it was just filmed like on a phone and they're beamed in on the iPad that, you know, that's really smart. Yeah, and I think like the only other character really seems to be the cop guy, mm-hmm. so. who was um, played by a dummy for half of his for half of his. Appearance. Yeah, there's there's some dummy stuff. There's at one point there's a, a Mildred dummy that drops on him from the ceiling, and yeah, there's you know there's you see the seams of this movie, and I find it charming. Mm-hmm. Um, I did wonder how they did when he falls down the stairs. Uh, after when he does or she does when he does because the camera's like flipping and you see parts of him in the camera gotcha and then he lands i was was curious about the uh the window jump stunt Mm -hmm. as well that seemed like a real stunt that they did yeah it looked like he just jumped out a second floor window and landed uh with some old farm equipment some kind of mattress or something <laughs> the braces fall yeah. yeah so anyways he cuts his finger off completes the ritual mildred gets sucked into the basement which belches and sprays blood out of it <laughs> after it eats mildred apparently and um and sean wraps up the stream and i love that he plays his little his little stream song at the end there his mm. little theme song and Everything's happy and great, and then, um, but the implications of binding all of these ghost souls to him, he didn't realize what he was asking for. And at some point earlier in the text, I think one of his viewers said something like, Sean, careful what you wish for, or right. something like that. And so, um, yeah, the, the, the stream cuts as all the, uh, the ghosts that we've seen throughout basically attack him, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, so there's uh, Corner Man, the tall guy in the corner. There's the bloated corpse in the tub. 
there's the kid with another body growing out of his chest. Yeah. Uh, they're all, I feel like there's one or two more that show up at the end there uh, that are all like just descending upon him. And I love the designs. Like Mildred just looks like Chrissy dirty and with uh, a wig on or something. And some like white chalky face paint yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but these other creature designs, cause you haven't gotten to really see them up until this point, but they all stay on camera uh, pretty well. Cause he's always running. Like when he sees the kid turn around in the bed. Um, oh, we didn't talk, <laughs> talk about him finding the creepy doll. And he's like, all oh, right. These things are always on it. <laughs> He's so yeah, stupid. I, uh, I thought maybe that doll was gonna, I don't know, they were gonna look up the doll on eBay or somehow find that it was like a haunted doll or something yeah. like that. But, but overall, um, this held up really well in a rewatch for me, mm-hmm. and I had a great time watching it again. And it's just a movie that I really want to cheer for, and it's fun, and I like the vibe of like the spirit behind this movie. And this is a great one. This is a great movie to recommend to people who might not be really into horror. It's like kind of in that, it's like you could recommend this with Tucker and Dale versus evil. Mm -hmm. And that person would have a great time. And, um, yeah, I I would give this a four out of five. And as a double feature, I think this one worked out really well today. Um, I'm giving it another three and a half. Uh, and frankly, it's because the gross parts are a little, they're a little gross. <laughs> it, yeah. It makes me gag a little bit, uh, which I think is great. <laughs> but also I don't want to see him get urine boarded again. <laughs> I, for, I forgot about the urine boarding yeah. going into this one. So I, I knew there was gross stuff, but I didn't remember specifically what it was outside of the nose pick. I wish on Letterbox the nose pick wasn't like the image that's the background for the movie. Yeah. Cuz I think it sets up a tone that's like that's not really the tone of the movie. It like I don't know. Yeah. Uh, um as a double feature of what do you think of today? I think it was excellent like two horror comedies uh that kind of tend in different directions. I think even though I gave them the same, I think uh, I like Deadstream better than. It's more consistent. Yeah, it doesn't have that. It doesn't. It doesn't have that dull kind of lingering second act. Yeah. Um, also, Fright Night is like an hour forty, I think. Um, yeah, it was a little long. And uh, Deadstream is less than ninety minutes. <laughs> Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect length. Mm-hmm. Also, I think um, if, if Tom Holland is Tom Holland even alive? Yeah, Tom yeah. Holland's still alive. He's gonna be eighty this year. Um, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really looking forward to any future Tom Holland projects. Um, <laughs> but Deadstream gave me two filmmakers now who are on my radar. And who are up and comers and who I'd I'd be very excited to check out their future work. And I will I will definitely check out um VHS ninety-nine because those movies are a really mixed bag of good and bad. 
Yeah. But usually for me, I, I, the good outweighs the bad. Um, there's at least... I would say uh, three... Is there five of them? Three-fifths? There's one that everybody loved uh, in in the VHS 99 that I didn't care for. Um, but I liked most of the rest of the, the bits. Right on. I watched, I think it was, is it 95 was the previous one? I don't know. I think I've seen three VHSs. Oh, it's hard to 94 keep... VHS 94. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to keep track of them in my head. The um, next, uh, go ahead. I was going to say 94 has, um, uh, our guy, uh, David Bruckner was one of the creators of that one. That's right. I don't remember what his segment was. I think because he did one of them in the first VHS. I think he did the wraparound, maybe. Or if there's a wraparound in 94, it's been. There's some kind of years. wraparound. Yeah. The rap the wraparounds in the VHS movies are always kind of a letdown for me. Yeah. Like not really needed. I don't know. Um, next episode, what do you want to do? Um, I don't know. We're kind of in between. We got this weird free period here before I start the new job. I just feel like it's, so, it's, two, it's three weeks of weekend for me. So I feel like Godfather Parasite is still on the docket somewhere, but that's probably not still in a holding pattern. Mm-hmm. I did see Grant. I, I did see his play this last weekend that he's doing. Um, that's taking up all of his time. It was very good. Peter and the Starcatcher. Uh, it it used to be on Broadway, so if you, if you like Peter so Pan, go check it out if you're in Nashville. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. You, I got nothing. We don't really have any guests lined up either. No, and the next one we record might not be the next one we release either. If depending on who we find or whatever, so yeah. So uh, just check the Discord if you care. And uh, whenever we figure it out, we'll announce it there. And on Twitter. I've gotten better about that. Oh, nice. Yeah. I've never looked at our Twitter. We're on the Twitter and the Instagrams. Twitter's Beautiful. a trash fire, so. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else for today? No. Um, I just feel very lucky with my run of movies as of late. I've had a lot of good ones. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we will see you in two weeks, probably. It's, hey, we, this is going to be a two-week episode. Yeah, we did it. So we did it. We did it. We're back on track. Um, with mystery movies, we don't know what they'll be. But for the meantime, um, please take care of yourself. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to each other. And we will see you in two weeks. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.